Good evening and you're very welcome to episode four of this season of the rugby show here on finalwhistle.ie with myself, Brefney Early, and of course, once again, joined by AIL expert, Kieran Noble. Kieran, another week, another round of games, exciting times for the AIL. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about being called an expert every week, but <laughs> if you call me that, I suppose... Take the compliment, take the compliment. Uh, we're going to take a quick look, uh, obviously just a break week for the AIL last weekend. So not a whole pile to talk about in terms of um, men's games, at least in the last seven days. But two weeks ago, we did have a full round of games. We might start there. Um, we'll talk about the, the women's games at the weekend later on in the program. But uh, first of all, let's maybe take a look at, at the, the Division 1A fixtures uh, from two weekends ago now uh, and how that went down in terms of the... Uh, the, the performances across the, the board. There were some, some pretty big games and some pretty interesting results as well thrown up uh, in the last round of men's games. Yeah, it was pretty interesting because obviously that was the end of block one, as you call it, sort of first three games. Um, so there's still three unbeaten teams in Terran, York, Clontarf and Trinity. And I suppose the big news, though, from the first three games is Lansdowne. Many people's pick, you know, one of the biggest clubs in Ireland still haven't won a game, which is... It's quite surprising, you know, that they haven't registered a win yet. Trinity, they had a huge game against Trinity two weeks ago and Trinity managed to pull it out of the bag and beat them. And they also managed to beat them without them getting the losing bonus point, which could prove massive, you know, um, later on in the season. But Trinity looked really good. But um, I was actually watching the video of the match afterwards and what they seem to be doing really well this year is they're, they're scoring physically up front tries. Like, you know crashing over the line whereas that's not something you'd really associate with them in times gone by there they like to play at speed they like to play at wide kind of the classic student rugby you know they like to play with a bit of flash but they're again they've become really tough i think and really compact and they're a really good solid team uh, they play ballon hinch this weekend which is a massive game because ballon hinch went into the last round unbeaten but then they came a bit they got stopped in their traps in the tra- in their tracks, I suppose, against Clontarf, who um, are the champions, and they haven't lost a game Clontarf since last November, which is which is crazy when you think about it in the league. Like it's almost twelve months it's coming up to twelve months next week. So for Ballon Hinch, I suppose they'll be looking to bounce back straight away and get a win against Trinity. And you know, people are getting excited about Ballon Hinch. Their first two rounds, their wins against um, Shannon in round two and Lansdowne in round one. But I think this next block of fixtures will really tell us how how good they actually are and how far they can actually go this season. So it'll be interesting to see from them. In terms of Clantarf and Terran they look like nothing's perfect, but they look near too perfect. Like, you know, they haven't shown any cracks either side. Terran are so exciting to watch. I think they have a plus 84 points difference this season so far. Um, you know... They're scoring tries for fun. The way they're playing, it's it's really enjoyable to watch. And then Clontarf are a bit more, they're different. <laughs> they're not exactly as exciting to watch, but they get the job done and they're very effective. Dylan Donnellan is continuing where he left off, scoring tries for fun. Mainly a good El Mall try, but like Clontarf look really, really strong. Cormac Daly's playing really well for them. He was 1A player of the year last year and he's playing really well again this year. And obviously, with the Emerging Ireland tour now over, some guys will come back into the fold. I, I suspect Ben Murphy might get to play for them a bit now. He transferred from old Wesley, so it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see, actually, ever since he joined Clontarf, 
I've kind of been wondering, will he get the nod ahead of Angus Lloyd, who's been at Clontarf for years? Or will he have to kind of sit on the bench and work his way into the team? So I'm quite interested to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, Clontarf and Terran Yor, they, they were in the final last year and I suppose they set the standard, both of them. And they're doing it again. And I'm already really excited for when they meet later in the league campaign. Can Trinity survive and hold on to where they are at the moment in, the, in that top three? Will we see a real challenge from them as well? Yeah, no, I think Trinity, like, look at them last year. I think they were two points off the playoffs from the end of the season. They were really unlucky. And I think what made the difference for them last season is their start wasn't as good. I think they lost two of their three opening games, whereas now they've won three out of three, and it's a massive difference. I think... They've got some really good players in this year. Paddy McCarthy, I mention him nearly every week, but I think he's going to play for Ireland, to be honest. He was with Blackrock College uh, last season in the Schools Cup. Fantastic player. Then they've got Max Dunn, Jack Dunn's younger brother, who, who played for Leinster. Like, and the, Th- Thomas Clarkson is back in the fold now as well from the Emerging Ireland Tour. Fantastic prop. So they've got a really good team. You know, Aaron Egan, their out half, is the top point scorer, I think, in the uh, so far this season in 1A. Uh, he's a fantastic player, like really, really good. So I think Trinity will definitely be in the top four. Like it's, it is too early to tell. We're only three games in, but I think, you know, they didn't make it last year and that's obviously added to their hunger to make this year. Of course, Shannon, we talked to them early on in the season. Yourself and Luke had a long chat with their director of rugby at the time. Um, they're finding life a little bit of a challenge somewhat in, in the top division. Zero points on the board, not even a losing bonus point at this stage. Only managing 32 points in their opening three games. Is it time for them to be worried? I don't know. Like, I watched some of the video of their game against Cork Con, and they were actually in the lead, I think, at halftime. 21-12, maybe, I think it was. Like, they were... They look good, you know. They have Ethan Colgan, the scrum half, uh, Munster player. Um, I just don't know what it is, whether they... What, like, they play well for periods of the game. Like, from all the reports that I've read, obviously I haven't seen them this year, like, personally, but from the reports I've read and the videos I've watched, they look good for periods of the game, but something seems to go wrong at the wrong point. It's not that they're playing bad. It's just it's not really clicking for them. Unfortunately for them this week, it's not going to get any easier because they're going to the champions, Clontarf. You know, it'll be hard for them to get a point there the way Clontarf are playing. But I don't know, like, you look at Shannon and you say they have no points, but three other teams haven't registered a win either. So I suppose from their point of view, they have to look at that as well and say, look, we're not the only ones here who haven't won a game. Okay, it's not great that they don't have any losing bonus points, but for Shannon, they just have to take a week in, week out. They... They can't really think too far ahead into the future, if you get me. They just have to take it one game at a time. And I wouldn't be massively worried for them at this point because I don't know if it would have surprised them. I think they knew that it was going to be tough coming up because I think last time they came up from 1B, it was very tough as well. So I think they would have been prepared for this. It's not saying they wanted it to happen. They probably wanted, They probably wanted a better start, but look, they didn't get it, so... I think they just have to take it week in, week out. And they've got some great players there who are very experienced, the likes of Kelvin Brown, Lee Nicholas, who can really help them, you know. I Do I think they're going to be in a relegation fight? Probably, but I don't think they're really going to be thinking about that at the moment. They'll just be focusing on getting that first win and improving their performances. You cannot answer my next question anyway, but I'm going to fire ahead with it all the same. 
they the other three teams just above them, Lansdowne, UCD, Gary Owen, still haven't registered a point between them. A smattering of, bo- of losing bonus points here, there between them. But um, there's a very much a split in that group at the moment. Okay, it might be a little bit down to fixtures, but with seven points already between sixth and seventh spot, are we looking at kind of six teams challenging at the top end of the table and four really just struggling for survival, or is it too early to kind of put that down to that just yet? Well, if you look at last season, for example, I suppose, um, UCC came last, Balnehinch came ninth, I think UCD came eighth, and Gary Owen came seventh. And Gary Owen had a good start to the season because of the way the fixtures were laid out. But then after that, they just kind of fell away. And it was kind of like that for the rest of the season. The four teams kind of struggled and didn't really match the top six. Now, in saying that, I think Gary Owen will struggle and Shannon will struggle. Lansdowne, you don't know. This block of fixtures is so important for them, like massively important. It kind of determines the rest of their season, really. Like if they can get big wins, like they've got Young Munster at the weekend away and they'll need to win that. Like really, they have to just, the coach has to say to them, look lads, don't come into this dressing room if you don't win. Like, because they need a win if they're serious about uh, challenging for an AIL title this year. And then UCD is a strange one because I've watched UCD a little bit this year and I'm actually not, from what I've seen, they're, they're not bad, you know. They're actually really good in parts, like really, really good. They just haven't really got that win yet. Like against Trinity, they were beaten, but, you know, there was lots of positives in the performance. Against Clontarf in round one, there was plenty of positives in the performance. They were up at halftime against Young Munster, I think, as well at halftime. So, um, like UCD, there's plenty of there's plenty of positives that I see, and I don't think I feel a bit bad for them because I actually think they should have more points than what they do at this point because you know the performance ha- performances have been good, but uh, yeah, Gary Owen and Shannon I do think will struggle a little bit. Uh, Ballin Hinch is interesting, like they're doing well at the moment, but who knows? That's what I meant about the block of fixtures coming up, like three. If they don't win any of their next three or, you know, it's hard to tell with them because they did really struggle last season. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up. Yeah, they've had a more favourable set of fixtures potentially and no disrespect to any of the teams they've played. But um, other than, I suppose, the game against Clontarf, they've they've had more winnable games against teams uh, who would be around them traditionally in the table. And let's take a quick look at the, the league table as it stands at the moment there. Uh, you'll see Tarnier College at the top of the table, one point clear of Trinity and Clontarf. Bit of a gap back then to the group that we just talked about, Ballinahinch, Young Munster and Cork Con, 10 points, and both of the others on nine, while the four winless sides so far lands down UCD, Gary Owen and Shannon at the foot of the table. So uh, plenty to keep them occupied over the next uh, few days while they plot and plan to overcome that. Um, is, is that how you expect the season to, to, to kind of finish up in these kind of groupings with the three or four top sides and then a, a middle tier and the teams at the bottom? Yeah, I think it's there is going to be a bit of a gap, but, you know, Lansdowne, I think they... They will come back a little bit. I don't expect them to be that far down come come the end of the season and UCD as well. I know they finished uh, eighth last season, but I think they look a better side than they did last season. I know that sounds it sounds silly. Like you might be thinking, how can you say that when they're sitting in when they're sitting in eighth currently? But I think there is they are improving, and I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of had better performances coming up. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think the top three that are there will definitely be there uh, come the end of the season. 
Battle and Hinch, I'm not saying they won't be. I'm just saying I need more. I need more solid proof, you know, that they're gonna. You're gonna sit on the fence on that one, just yeah. Yet. Let's, exactly. let's turn our attention to, to Division One B for a moment, and some some big games uh, in the last round of games in terms of last results over there. For me, the one that stood out was probably Buccaneers win over Highfield. Um, it was a good performance from the from the team the whole way through. Uh, City of Armagh, also a tight win over Old Wesley. Um, but all the games at this level, five points, the maximum between any sides in the last round of games. And when you look down through the league table, there's only seven points. We talked about a seven-point gap in, in one spot on the league table. Seven points from first to ninth in Division 1B. It seems to be super competitive. No, that's what I say every week. I think that 1B is the most competitive division in out of the five. Like It, it really is. And come the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if there's three points separating the team that are in eighth and the team that are in fifth, for example, or the team that are in seventh and the team that are in fourth. Like So I think every single point counts. I know you say that for every every competition, but for 1B, it really does. Like If you can get a... If you can get a try bonus point win or even a try bonus point and a losing bonus point, that's two. Like every point is really gonna count, and all the teams are of a similar level. Like it's one B is like really, really entertaining. Like I know everyone talks about one A because it is the top league and it's the top tier essentially, but one B is like really, really entertaining to watch. Like I was lucky to be at Old Belvedere versus Nace a couple of weeks ago. Sean O'Brien making his his Nice debut. I have a little bit. I have my opinions on that, but I'm not going to get into that rant today. But uh, yeah, just let's let's let's, just to stop you there on on that. um, Let's talk about that for a second because um, Sean O'Brien obviously huge profile uh, brings in the world of media into the AIL because I think every paper reported on the game, every media, every online outlet focused on Sean O'Brien's. Um, debut, he probably got more impressed attention for his debut for Nace than he did for any of his previous clubs. Um, is that not a positive for people to come coming back into the, the league and, and bringing that profile and that exposure back to um, a, a league that sometimes can struggle to get mainstream focus? Yeah, from that standpoint, it is like you know, because people are genuinely interested in the in the league again because. Sean was coming back and it was kind of this like it was kind of this like I was at the game and you just got this feeling that everyone was kind of on edge or like just waiting for him to come on and you know there was this genuine excitement but I just think like like he got hurt and he only played 10 minutes and I think he's from what I can make out he's injured like and I don't know how much he'll be able to play like and I just think yeah from a energy AIL standpoint it's good for them because it brings more attention to the game but I don't know I personally would have just let him play for Tolo like (laughs) but that's a health and safety issue surely because there's lads my age and my frame playing and my fitness level which is not high uh, playing for for junior clubs up and down the country if you put him out at junior level surely somebody who's not as experienced takes one hit from him it could be curtains it could be it could be life-changing yeah, but I from seeing him play for an ace, I think that his body is like like Sean O'Brien made fifty six caps for Ireland, I think, but he could have weighed, made way more if he wasn't so injury prone and he didn't get those injuries. I think he was a fantastic player that was very unlucky. If that makes sense, like he played for the Lions and he 
and he won European Player of the Year, I think, in 2011 or 2012. Like, he achieved a lot in his career, so to say he's unlucky is, is a strange one, but I actually think he could have achieved a lot more if he hadn't got injured. And just from seeing him play for Nace, I just thought that his body, it's just hanging in there, like, you know, that I don't think you're going to get many games out of him. So I think one or two for Tullo would have been all right, you know, like kind of a last hurrah. I just think for everything that he gave the game and everything that he achieved, that he should have been able, like, I don't know what his situation is now with the injury and when he's going to be back or if he's going to be back or any of that. But I just think when you get to his stage of your career, like, He's done so much for the country, so much for his province, and he loves his home club, which I really, really admire. And I just think maybe they should have, maybe they should have just given him one or two games for Tullo at the end, because I don't know. It's like I said, I don't know how many games they're going to get out of him anyway. And I do think that there's this kind of misconception sometimes of junior rugby, like especially in Leinster. I think Leinster League One A and maybe the top two teams, three teams in 1B, they're well able for AIL. I genuinely actually believe that. That if those teams went up, they would do all right and maybe 2C, they would do pretty good. So I do think, I get what people are saying about the health and safety thing, but I just think for Sean O'Brien, like, he, he probably doesn't have much rugby games left in him. And I just think it would have been great for him just to go out in his own terms. Like, maybe he'll get to play for Tullow in two years' time. And maybe he'll come back for an ace and play really, really well. But it's just from my point of view, I think, like, he, he loves his club and he's a tall old man. And, like, he's obviously happy to be playing for an ace. But I just think that, uh, like, if he wanted to play for Tullo, I think there should have been ways where they could have worked around it. Like, you talk about what it's done for the AIL, but could you imagine what it would do for Tullo on a Sunday? Like, a little local club. Like, <laughs> it's just... I. I, I get why the decision was made, and I'm not saying that the wrong decision was made. I just think that I have a lot of respect for Sean O'Brien and what he's achieved in his career. And I think if he really wanted to go to Tullo, they should have done. They should have maybe facilitated like whatever he wanted because I think he does deserve it. And his body's been through a lot, and I just wouldn't like to see him get hurt more. That's all. Fair enough. We'll uh, we we'll leave the Sean O'Brien conversation at that yeah. point. But if we look at the league table in this group, there's plenty of of uh, talking points here. We talked about how tight this is, and if you take the top uh, top side out and the bottom side out, there's only four points, one win, less than a win, even if a bonus point uh, between Buccaneers in second place and Banbridge uh, down there in ninth. And uh, like, can we see those eight teams really just fight through and and see who's going to come out of that? Who, who would you expect to be the biggest challengers? Uh, at the top of the table, if we're going to put UCC up there as well. Well, yeah, UCC coming down from 1A, like they look pretty good. They're undefeated in 1B, which which isn't easy at all. Like, I think Old Belvedere, if they can get some away form, they would actually be really good in 1B. I think it's where, I think it's the away form is where they really lack. Like they've got this guy in the centre at the minute, Jaden Pickett uh, from New Zealand, who's just, he's amazing. Like, you know, he's a fantastic player. And then, Kale Thatcher at number eight in under New Zealand are like two brilliant new signings that I think if Belvedere can start winning their away games, I do think they could be near the top end of that table. Um, Old Wesley, it's funny to see them near the bottom because for the last few years, they've been one of the one of the leading teams in 1B, I suppose. But I think that was always a worry with them uh, this season, you know, with um, with 
losing a couple of players and maybe missing their chance last year. So it's disappointing for them, but who knows, they can come back. Highfield, Keen Bohan in the centre is playing fantastic for them at the minute, scoring plenty of tries. They would have been a bit surprised losing to Bucks, I assume. You know, Bucks kind of probably shocked a lot of people. Even I was a bit surprised when I'd seen that result. Um, Eddie O'Sullivan, though, I've said it before, he, he is a top-class coach and he did great things with Ireland when he was there. Like, we won numerous triple crowns and we were always competing. Uh, so Eddie is a very, very good coach to get at this level. There's plenty of brilliant coaches at this level, but Eddie is um, a very good coach and I, I do rate him highly. So, you know, obviously he's doing great things in books. Um, but yeah, 1B, it's really... I. I I don't like to put predictions on 1B because literally anything can happen. Like Even City of Armagh, they're doing really well at the moment and they're probably dark horses. Maybe people don't talk about them as much, but they actually play a really nice brand of rugby and you know they could be challenging. And then you've got St. Mary's with Sean Cronin in there, a former Irish international. He's uh, dipping his toe into coaching this season. Who knows what he can do with them? 1B is just so exciting and if I was if I was to tell you what I think is going to happen there, I'd just be, I'd just be bluffing to be honest. So <laughs> you'd be absolutely taking your chances. Let's yeah. maybe take a look at, at the women's AIL at the moment and look back at some of the results from last weekend. Um, Cook and Wicklow, uh, a big result there for Wicklow, I think, uh, uh, for them in, in terms of a twenty points to ten win from behind. They were losing a half time and they came back to win that by ten points. We've talked about Wicklow a bit. We had Ella Roberts on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's a really positive move for Wicklow to kind of start seeing them competing. And now they're mid-table, the 13 points accumulated from the five games. That's a nice position for them to be in compared to where they were this time 12 months ago. Yeah, I mean, those first three games, I, I'm i from Wicklow, so I went to all three games. Or I didn't go to the third game, I went to the first two games. But I remember they lost 140-0 to Railway Union. And then the first game, they lost 63-0 to Belvedere. And then I think they got fairly badly beaten against Rock in the third game. And I remember, you know, there was whispers, people saying, oh, maybe they shouldn't be at this level. But they just needed time, realistically. Like, And then you look at who they were playing, like, in those first three games, it was the best of the best. Like, they weren't playing against, like, teams that they're expected to do well against, you know. And I think massive credit has to go to... Massive credit has to go to the coaches because I know the amount of time and effort they've put in, like Jason Morton, uh, Colin Younger, Mark Kinlan, they've all put in massive amounts of effort with the girls and the girls have all put in massive amounts of efforts themselves. Even the likes of Ella and Vicky staying in Wicklow when they could have went to maybe the likes of Old Belvedere or Rock or a Railway, it just shows... Back to the Sean O'Brien thing, it just shows how committed they are to their to their local club and how much they love where they're from. And I think that's a that's probably a really good reflection on Wicklow Rugby Club as a whole. Like the fact that the girls want to stay there and they they feel so happy there is because of the environment that they've been kind of brought up in in a rugby sense, if you know what I mean. Like they're happy there, they feel like it's their family. And I think yeah, Wicklow Rugby Club, all the coaches involved even from the presidents, you know, committee members, they've really put in a lot of, you know, good efforts in, with regards to the women's team in recent years and especially the youth system. They have probably the best girls youth system in Leinster and I think that's kind of, they're seeing the rewards of that now 
And I think at the minute they're fifth best in Ireland if you're to look at the table. And if you had said that to them 12 months ago, I don't know if many people would have believed that. Maybe some of the girls would have, but maybe not many people that were going to the games would have. So, you know, they deserve massive credit. You know, from where they started to where they're going, it's it's amazing, really. Yeah, top of the table clash then between old Belvo and Black Rock. And I suppose uh, the surprising thing here, Belvo probably would have gone in as favourites, leading 7-0 at halftime. Looked like they were going to continue their, their fine start of the season, but it wasn't to be. Black Rock beat them. And not even that, they beat them by nine. So no losing bonus point there as well. How important could that be as we get to the end of the season? Yeah, well, um, I was actually at that game and Belvo were probably, it was, it was really a game of two halves, to be honest. Belvo were the better team in the first half and then Rock kind of took off in the second half. Uh, Maeve Liston came on for for Black Rock and she made a massive difference when she came on, to be honest. She was really dangerous. She looked really good. Um, but I don't know, because with, with the way the women's season is structured, it's all about qualifying for the, the competition after Christmas. So Belvedere will definitely be there. Railway will definitely be there. Rock will definitely be there. And it's just a case of who gets in that other spot. Will it be a Wicklow? Will it be a Galwegians? Will it be a UL? Um, last year it was UL, and they don't seem to be as good this year. So it'll be interesting to see who who fits in that spot. But, yeah, the, it was a very competitive game, very physical, like re, really physical it was just really disappointing, to be honest, that it was on at the same time as the Leinster-Munster game because that was the best game. Or on paper, it was the best game in the women's AIL this season. Like, the top two teams are well, taking Railway out of that. But Blackrock and Belvo, because Railway haven't played them yet. But that was the best game on paper this season. And probably not many people were watching it or not many people were there because Leinster and Munster was on down the road. So it was a bit disappointed for them in that regard like because that's what you want you want more eyes to it you want more more fans to go to those sort of games and it actually was really good really physical really intense um there was a real like edgy kind of vibe to it you know where both coaches both coaching setups are kind of you know they're a bit and they're you know they're just a bit wound up and there was that real kind of tense atmosphere and actually dan o'brien who plays out half for all belvedere she made her first Ireland cap in the summer she is fantastic I, I was watching her and some of the things she does it's amazing it was like watching Joey Carberry when he started out he used to play he, he'd always just look up like he'd just play what's in front of him and Dan O'Brien is very similar like she just she just goes for it you know she she's a she just plays off instinct which is really good to watch um, I think she could be a fantastic player for Ireland in the, the years to come. She's really, really good to watch. Um, Belvo have some really good young girls on the team. Then Rock have some excellent young girls. So it was really like a, it was a massive game. You know, Ireland stars all over the park. Belvo better in the first half. Rock better in the second half. And to be fair, Rock just Rock just edged them in the end. I know it was nine points, but it was probably closer than what that scoreline suggests. But yeah. brilliant game. It does, of course, uh, tighten everything up at the top of the table. There's the, the table as it stands at the moment uh, with Railway Union capitalising on that defeat for Belvo to jump to the top of the table. Of course, they have a game in hand as well, but only one point between those top three sides in the division at the moment. Galwegians and Wicklow back on 13 points, while at the lower end of the table, UL Bowes, Setonians, Balancholic, and still without a point on the scoreboard uh, is Cook. 
at this so that at the moment. So they'll uh, be hoping to do that. No games, of course, this weekend in the women's league. Uh, we'll turn our attention to Division Two A, a B, and C of the the men's league. Uh, not in action, of course, last weekend, but um, plenty of stuff. If we when we start with the league table in Division Two A, and we just chat through some of the games uh, in that division uh, two weekends ago. Uh, your thoughts here on on the big games in that particular uh, division, Kieran? Well, Queens are kind of they're you know going going like they were towards the end of last season. They look like the best team in the league by a by a good bit, and they look really good again. They're playing Black Rock this weekend, so one versus four. It'd be really interesting to see what happens there. Um, I suppose the surprising one is UL and tenth. I don't I don't think many people would have thought that was going to happen. Uh, you know, two A is it's another division where it's very competitive, maybe not as competitive as 1B, but all those teams are kind of... two. I always say 2C, 2B, or 2B and 2A are kind of similar enough levels, so you never know who who might get out of it. But yeah, Queens look very good, and at the moment you have to kind of put your money on them to be pushing to get to 1B next season. Yeah, looking at the fixtures there in 2B, they're underneath you on the screen there. Um, Some big games this weekend in 2B as well. Again, we've talked before about how this division is so tight. For me, of course, the all-connect clash, Galwegians and Sligo, is probably the clash of the weekend. But I think uh, others might be looking elsewhere in terms of the actual... Um, the, I won't say the quality because I'll get shot for that, but in terms of the actual uh, top end of the table, um, who, what, where will you always be in this particular division this week? Based on uh, I think you have a bit of conic bias there. I think it... Oh, 100%. But you're Wicklow bias for Greystones Belfast as well. Yeah, yeah, no, true. But I think it has to be uh, one versus two, Greystones versus Belfast Harlequins, both unbeaten, both looking very good. Um, it's going to be a really good game, I think. I'm just disappointed I won't get to go to it. Like It, it should be really good. I went to their game last year in Dr. Hickey Park and Belfast Harlequins actually came out and topped that day. Um, so it'll be a really interesting game. Greystones have kind of started the season how I would have expected them to. They always kind of start out very, they come out of the traps quickly most seasons and they kind of lead from the front and that's kind of what they're doing this season. Uh, they're a very good team, got some great players in the squad and then you've got um, Belfast Harlequins who who made it to the top four last season and I actually... I actually reckon they would have been dark horses to get up, but they lost in the semi-final, I think, to... I think they lost to Black Rock or either Greystones in the semi-final. But I, I did say to Luke at the start of the season that I thought Belfast Harlequins and Wanderers was another team I picked to be kind of dark horses to get into that mix. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a really entertaining game, and I'd encourage anyone, if they're around the Greystones area, to get down and, to get down and watch that one, because I think it'll be really close, and I think it... <laughs> You know, whoever wins that game has a hundred has keeps their hundred percent record and kind of takes top for for themselves. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Guaranteed, I'd be a draw or called off now at this stage after that yeah. intro you've given to it. Um, yeah. look at the fixtures or the league table into B uh, very quickly as you can just see. We're was chatting about it there that tie. Greystones and Belfast Harlequins, probably the tie of the round, if we're being honest about it. Um, and uh, put a bit of daylight between them in third place as well, which will be quite important if uh, on on offer for one of those sides at the weekend. Uh, if we take a look now at Division uh, 2C, um, games there, Scary's beaten Brough, Tullamore beaten Clonmel, 
Estonians away to Bangor and Middleton winning over Oma and Sunday as well with a good win against Balana. We talked about Balana's disappointing start to the season. Uh, three games in, they're one point up. They've only to come down from 2B. They're in a bit of a free fall at the moment. Can they slide, stop themselves sliding out of senior football? Uh, senior rugby, I think you're thinking of the football podcast same, there. But... Same thing. It's rugby football, Karen. It's rugby yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, yeah, I think... Ballina could be in trouble, you know. They don't want to become a junior club because that is a massive thing, both financially and just for club status. Like, like every club would prefer to be a senior club. That's like it's just the way it is. But for Ballina being in two we two B last season, they'll be a bit disappointed that they're kind of just slipping and slipping. Um, and I suppose that kind of proves as well. Like you look at, you've got two ends of the scale here. You've got Ballina who came down from 2B who should on paper should be doing well in 2C and then you've got somebody like Instonians who came from junior rugby and on paper shouldn't be doing that good but they're top of the table haven't lost a game and it kind of it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about junior clubs can actually do pretty well in 2C 2B it's just about getting there in the first place like you've got Balna, who've been in 2B for the last couple of seasons, and now they look in serious, they look in trouble, like in this early stage at, of going down to junior rugby. And then you've got a team like Estonians who look unreal at the minute and look like they're really eyeing up that 2B promotion. So it kind of goes back to this junior rugby, senior rugby debate, and I don't, I don't want to keep going on about it, but I do think that, I do think that Insonians probably will go up and it just shows that the gap isn't that big between the top junior leagues and like say 2C, 2B, AIL. Um, but yeah, Tullamore are another really good team in 2C at the minute. I think they could do really well. Scaries are always there, thereabouts. I know some of the results haven't went their way so far, but they'll definitely be there, thereabouts. Banger, I think um, they are always kind of near that top end of the table but yeah 2c is another interesting league um but instonians deserve maximum credit in my opinion you know coming from where they've come from and to be dominating 2c so far it's really impressive let's take a quick look at the league table there as you mentioned estonians top of the table they're recently promoted from the junior grade so they're um delighted with how their season is panning out so far really healthy points difference as well there 108 points after three games is is very consistently impressive uh, at the bottom of the table as we mentioned balna uh, down from 2b last year and they're just in free fall at the moment they'll need to try and arrest that but unfortunately they meet each other this weekend home advantage might be enough a win over the top side of the table could be enough to get balna kick-started and maybe back up that table over the next few weeks some mouth-watering ties across all divisions in the league this year or this weekend should i say you're going to be uh, where are you going to be yourself kieran um i'm lucky enough i'm going to be at trinity balna hinch this weekend so that should be a really good game uh, i'm really looking forward to going to that one because i haven't seen either team live this year um i'm trying to spread myself equally across across 1a at the moment to make sure that i see all teams not just not just certain ones so i'm trying to spread myself equally to make sure that I, to make sure that I see you know all the teams, but also I watch all the videos you know because I'm just obsessed with the AL to be honest. So I spend like you know the nights watching videos and reading reports and just keeping up to date. But on that uh, on the AIL so far, just to get 15 points in your first three games, like that's the best you can do. And only two teams 
I think only two teams have done it so far. I think it's Terenior in 1A and then Instonians in 2C. I think Queens are maybe, they're on 14, are they, in 2A? So that's really hard, you know, to get like five points from every single one of your games so far. So Terenior and Instonians deserve like a lot of credit for that, that brilliant start and massive credit has to go to their coaches. Like it's not easy. AIL is very, very competitive and to start your season like that is a massive plus. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, uh, of course, we will have live updates of all of those games on our website on finalwhistle.ie. Uh, if you click on the rugby and the live games, you'll have it all on Saturday afternoon. Uh, a full round of fixtures, all 25 games, live updates on our site, and you can get them there. Uh, look forward to uh, chatting to you again next week. Kieran, thanks very much for joining me. I know no bother. It's great to be here. <laughs>